Conservative MEP uh, making this point is that, you know, the rest of the European Union can hang tough, but uh, essentially uh, they need Britain uh, just as much, perhaps more, than Britain needs the EU in terms of trade. It's just too valuable to them to uh, decide that they're going to, uh, you know, sacrifice that on the altar of their four precious freedoms. How far is that the case? Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, I mentioned it's a, a united voice today, but of course, Brussels is the capital of deal making. And at the moment, their position sounds very, very clear. But in the future, will there be any more um, room for manoeuvre? We simply don't know. Added to all the uncertainty here is the fact that official negotiations, of course, can't start until the next British Prime Minister, whoever replaces David Cameron, goes through this process of triggering Article 50 and saying, look, Britain is officially leaving. Until that takes place, those sort of nuts and bolts, those conversations we're told simply won't be happening. There will be no secret talks before that. The BBC's Europe reporter Nick Beak on the sounds of apparent harmony, perhaps even unison from Brussels, from the 27 remaining members of the European Union. If the UK wants to retain access to the single European market, that message being it will have to accept the other sides to the deal, free movement of people as well as goods, capital and services. Given what a neuralgic issue immigration proved to be in the referendum, could that be acceptable to the true believers in a British withdrawal from the EU? Daniel Hannan is a Conservative member of the European Parliament who, in his words, has devoted 26 years of his life to getting Britain out of the EU. What does he make of that apparent ultimatum? As a statement of fact, lots of countries have access to the single market without having any special deals on free movement of people. The European Union has recently, to pluck an example moral in the air, signed free trade agreements with Colombia and Peru without any free movement of people. You know, Turkey is in the free market without having free movement of people. You know, so the, as a matter of, of observable fact, of course you can have access to the single market without having free movement of people. But I mean, in terms of what deal Britain should get, we have promised very clearly in the campaign to take back control of immigration policy. And what that, it seems to me, can only mean is that no foreign court gets to determine who can settle in the UK or reside in the UK, that that's a decision for Parliament. How Parliament then chooses to exercise its sovereignty is, of course, a matter for members of Parliament in future. You talk about the example of countries around the world having... Uh, access to the European single market, undoubtedly true. What they don't have is unfettered access. And, I mean, to take, for example, the boss of the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders in the UK, he says 80% of what we produce is exported. The only way to succeed is through unrestricted and reciprocal access to the EU. I have no doubt that there will be unrestricted reciprocal access in motor cars. Britain is a huge importer of EU cars. I don't think anyone is seriously proposing that the German car industry will want to restrict cross-channel trade. Yeah, but the with, the, with is, the greatest respect, the German car industry won't have a seat at the negotiating table. If those political leaders are thinking to themselves, and you may think that it's an unfair calculus, but nonetheless, they're thinking to themselves, the last thing we want to do is to give the UK some sort of preferential deal where they can get all the access that they want to the single market, but have none of the obligations to allow, for example, free movement of people. I mean, that, that's fantasy. Of course. Uh, no one's expecting anyone to 
behave other than in their own self-interest. I'm amazed at how many people think that countries trade with each other as a favor. The only assumption that I'm making is that people will want to maximize their own prosperity. And in this sense, the United Kingdom and the other European countries do have a joint interest in keeping the cross-channel trade going in a way that benefits all participants. As you say, you've made it your life's work to uh, campaign for Britain to leave the European Union. That wish has now been fulfilled. If it ends up, and it's perfectly feasible that it does, that Scotland holds a second referendum on independence from the United Kingdom and the Scottish nationalists win that, the United Kingdom breaks up, will it have been a price worth paying? I'm always and everywhere in favour of referendums. Uh, I, I think they're a brilliant mechanism to remind us politicians that we are servants and not rulers. So I was strongly in favour of holding the last Scottish referendum. Uh, these things should be tested regularly. And although I supported the union in that referendum,